In the early years of the Common Era, a Jewish man roamed the coastal towns of Palestine, preaching and practicing a new form of Judaism that, over the following 2,000 years, become the basis of the largest religion in the world. In those two millennia, millions upon millions of people have tried to emulate his teachings and do good things, and conversely, millions upon millions have been killed in wars related to the spread of his religion. Yet, it is highly likely that you know very little about him and the world he lived in from a purely historical standpoint. Well, get ready for that to change, because HPH is here to provide you with what we know about his life and times, according to actual historical records. So, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History, titled Jesus of Nazareth. Chris and Greg run Christmas. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Do, 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 do. Do do do, do, pa rum pa pom pom. Do, do do do, playing my drum. Do do do, do do do. Isn't that a good song, Chris? That's little drummer boy. I was going to ask you about Christmas carols. I think at some point, and that is in my bottom two of Christmas carols. What? Yeah. That and do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? <laughs> oh God, such a yeah! Beating. You gotta do the row, row, row your boat uh, thing yeah. with it. Oh, dude, those are that's my top two. <laughs> Although, do you see what I see is tainted forever because uh, it is tied to my memory to the movie Gremlins, and that's the scene where the mom gets attacked by the gremlins and microwaves one of them. And I saw that when I was like five years old. And it freaked me the fuck out. So now I like I get like Vietnam style flashbacks when I hear that song. Just an exploding gremlin. It's kinda like uh the the Barney theme song for me. Yeah. But that's a story for my new <laughs> podcast titled Uncle Stories. <laughs> so we'll just move right on from that. Don't want to spoil the episode. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, what is your? Do you have a favorite Christmas carol before we dive into boring? Yeah, I just here? started fucking singing it. Oh no, shit! You weren't joking. That's your favorite one. The yeah, one where little, little drummer boy goes hard as fuck. The one where it's like, hey Mary, I know you just got this kid to sleep. You know, like you've been through this tough barn pregnancy that you just had. But uh, what if I played this fucking drum for him? You think you'd like that? Got the double kick going. You know. He's not doing a fucking Neil Pert solo. <laughs> oh, I like the one, the the sleigh ride that's nothing but instrumental. It's like, and you get the whip crack. Yeah, yeah, fucking wha-chow. Yeah. Gets me jazzed. I'm ready for Christmas. Yeah, I'm ready to open some presents and be disappointed because I'm an adult and I can buy anything I, I actually want and it's just some shit that I didn't need and... You know, just a massive tribute to capitalism and uh, 
That's not true. Um, no. We actually need your $3 every month for our Patreon. Please <laughs> yes. subscribe. We are tired and poor. Thank you. Yes. This is true. Oh, and, and hungry. Yes. Um, my second favorite, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that song is playing when Kevin McAllister fools the wet bandits. Oh, with, cool, with his little... Cool, yeah. The cool jerk, right? His little pooly system of yeah. fake family members. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about that song. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Well, why don't you think on that, listener, while we tell you a little bit about our source today, and that is Zealot by Reza Aslan. Uh, Very good book. Greg recommended it to me. He'd read it previously, you know, dove back in for this, and man, it's it's a good book. It really is. It's not the good book. (laughs) It's a good book. A good book, yes. Uh, A little bit about him. Uh, He was born Muslim. Converted to Christianity very young, um, and went into uh, theological studies in college, and continued that line. Got his PhD and all that. Uh, he's very intelligent. He does great sourcing of his works, and we're going to lean heavily on uh, his work today ourselves because I ain't got time to read more than one book. You ever tried to read the Bible, man? The thing's long. Jeez. And for some reason, it's full of contradictions. Like, I don't know. It's like it was written by like 80 different people at different times in history. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. So, yeah, highly recommend the book. And, uh, oh, I wanted to do this. I wanted to throw out a little disclaimer today. Because we are talking about the historical Jesus of Nazareth. And there are going to be some contradictions with what you may have read in the Bible. Uh, There are going to be a lot of contradictions to what you read in the Bible. Uh, so if you are someone who believes in a literal Bible, like every word is 100% true, 100% happened, then this might not be the episode for you. You might just want to come back in January when we're talking about Hitler or some shit, you know, a bunch of Nazis getting killed. You know, fun times. I don't want anybody to think we're shitting on their religion or trying to convert them to anything that they don't believe in either way. Okay, that's my disclaimer. I just want to let you know we're going to talk about some things that may not line up with what you believe, and hopefully that it doesn't trigger you too much. Yeah, this is about what we know about history and the historical figure of Jesus. Well, with all that being said, uh, I think we should just go ahead and get to it, just dive in. Yes, but also full disclaimer, mm-hmm. anytime you say something that I don't agree with, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to my happy place, which is <laughs> Little Drummer Boy. Okay. Fair enough. Before we can take a look at the historical Jesus, it's important to talk about our ancient sources. Uh, Bottom line, guys, they suck butts. Jesus was crucified by the Romans in either 30 or 33 CE, which is what used to be AD. And maybe we should talk about that for just a second, because the switch happened at some point in the last, my lifetime. It It was always BC, AD growing up, and then they changed it to BCE and CE, and it causes confusion, and there's a lot of people who don't understand. BC was before Christ, AD was Anno Domino, I can't remember, it's a Latin term for in the year of our Lord, and a lot of people thought it was after death, which didn't make sense, because there'd be like a 33-year gap of history, where we didn't (laughs) count the years. That was the old Roman Catholic way of doing things, Uh, they created that uh, in Probably the last 30 years, it's been converted to BCE, before Common Era, and CE, 
common era. And since we're a history podcast, that's what we've used the whole time we've been doing the show. But we keep saying it, and I'm sure it throws some question marks over people that are around our age and never heard that before. Either way, in those days, historical records weren't really a thing. The most active historians were the Romans, and as you will see as we go through this story, they didn't really care about who Jesus was for a long, long time. In fact, the first time any Roman record even mentions Jesus was in a throwaway line about Jesus' brother James being stoned. A little Cheech and Chong action, you know, liven their, their histories up. <laughs> oh, no. Jesus isn't here, man. You know, Dave's not here, Cheech and Chong. Yeah. No, I'm old. Oh, shit. Well, and to be fair, not a lot of people know this, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into the whys later, but James continued Jesus' teachings after Jesus died and had a way, way larger following than Jesus ever had during his lifetime. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no one remembers poor James. That's why we have a lot more records about James. Yes, 100%. Well, thus, most of the story of Jesus comes from the four gospel books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I was going to make a Star Wars joke after Luke, but I decided to be respectful and just continue with that. And then tell you I was thinking about the joke so that you could still think it's funny. You're still kind and respectful. Yeah. Now, the problem with accepting these fully as historical record is that the earliest one was written somewhere around 66 to 70 CE, which would have been 30 years after the death of Jesus. And none of them were written by people who were actually hanging out with Jesus when he was preaching. And a lot of the time, they contradict each other and add things to the other Gospels never thought to mention, even though they seem really important to the story. So you'd have one guy write the story, and another guy's like, well, that was good, but it doesn't explain this. So let me just add this little thing here, explaining this, and then let me add this, explaining that, you know, to fill in the plot holes. Now let me put on my pantyhose to make it all make sense, and <laughs> <Yeah>. we're good. <laughs> it's like, how did that guy get into the Matrix to betray everybody? He couldn't plug himself in. Oh, God. Uh, let's rewrite that. <laughs> so. How the hell do you do a podcast about the historical Jesus of Nazareth without hardly any reliable, verifiable historical records of Jesus? You can't. And that's why we're ending the podcast and playing nothing but Christmas music until the new year. Hit it, Wolf Dick! Who lay before the king fire? No, not that. Fuck you. God, not that one. It's like he loves you more. I feed him, so. Well... I got his email about let's do Secret Santa, let's draw names, but there were three of us, so you two got each other presents. I saw how that played out. That's just how it works out, man. Yeah. Drew my own name, and I was like, oh, that fucking guy. I hate him the most. <laughs> Joke's on him, I got him a gag gift, it's a dildo. <laughs> hey, gag gift. <laughs> you see? You see? <laughs> Also, that was me being you. You got yourself that. Oh, okay. I thought that's what you got, Wolf Dick. No. Yeah. No, no, no. That was, that was me internalizing your thoughts. <laughs> How did you know? That's fucking amazing. <laughs> got the one with the, the suction cup so I can put it on the shower wall. No, never mind. You know, this can't tend to you. It's too far. <laughs> no, what you have to do, if you want to know the story of the historical Jesus, is do what the author of our main source spent years doing. Combine the little we can know about Jesus from a historical standpoint 
with the stories found in the Gospels and compare that to what the Romans wrote about the time and the places where Jesus lived and preached. Now, if you listen to episode 49, focusing on the Knights Templar, you'll know that Jerusalem was sacked and sieged and destroyed and rebuilt like a billion times in ancient history. The book of Deuteronomy says that somewhere around 1000 BCE, God gave the Jewish people an order to take control of Israel and burn all the farms, kill all the livestock, and massacre all the women, men, and children so that it could be a clean slate for the Jews to build their holy land. Old Testament God was a little bit different from New Testament God. Yeah, almost like he was the polar opposite. (laughs) Yeah, just go out there and kill the shit out of everything that moves. This is your land now. Very vengeful. Very testing. Yeah. Then he had a son, and uh, it all changed. Kids change you, man. Kids change you. You know? Even if you're an omniscient, omnipresent, all good God, you know? Yeah. Uh, He's going to have his flashes of anger. Knew from the beginning of time he was going to have a kid and it was going to change him. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to sow my wild oats right now, you know? Just go fucking My mean oats. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to test you, human, even though I know the outcome already. (laughs) Yeah. And your fate will be decided. (laughs) Yeah. You know, whatever. Takes a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of faith, Greg, to assign incredibly, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Hot dog. Yes, yes, to uh, to assign very hot dog attributes to your god. No, <laughs> looking for the word like, like yeah, uh, you know, just little minuscule things just set you off. I can't remember the word. I'm a professional talker. I've been doing this for two years, but uh, English is not my first language. It's actually Aramaic, but no one speaks that anymore, so I've moved on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it's around that same time, according to the Old Testament, that a dude named David was selected by God to lead the Jewish people. He took over Israel, was beloved, and became a massive religious figure for the Jews, and it was said in the future he would be reborn as the Messiah, who would once again lead the Jewish people and establish a kingdom of heaven on earth. So, as you are about to see throughout this story, any time the Jewish people of Jerusalem became oppressed or conquered, there would be a whole bunch of dudes who stepped forward and claimed to be this Messiah. Well, Messiah had a very specific meaning as well. Yeah. It was only after the teachings of Jesus Christ got picked up on that that word changed. Yes. What Messiah meant in these times was somebody that was a follower of King David, somebody that would usher in a new peace during the end of days— where the 12 tribes of Israel would unite. It was something very, very specific. Not just this, like, savior of, you know, of man via God. Son of God thing. And there were very specific rules, which Greg will get into later when he's talking about the life of Jesus and how he kind of didn't follow any of those rules that had been established by the Jewish people up to that point. Uh, But that's, uh, that's upcoming. That's a little teaser for you. It's like uh, Janet Jackson's boob in the Super Bowl halftime show. You know, it had the little pasty thing on it, but uh, got got the people going. 
I wish that Justin Timberlake would have had the wardrobe malfunction. You know? <laughs> Isn't it weird how that basically killed her career? And But he was fine, even though he's the one that ripped her shirt off and showed us her weird boob. I don't think that's why the career died. <laughs> no? I think that was her attempt to save something that was already circling the drain. Oh, fair enough. But you're right. I wonder what kind of pasties Justin Timberlake wears. Elephant thong. <laughs> On his nipples. Whoop. Yes. <laughs> it's a shameful secret. It's the toucan Sam on the penis. Yeah. It's like the the Tom Brady theory. You know, there has to be something wrong with him. So he has to have like a tiny penis because he can't be this successful and marry a supermodel and be that rich if there's not something wrong with him. Mm. So for Justin Timberlake, it's his elephant trunk nipples. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It's all adding Infallible up. Infallible logic. <laughs> Thank you. Because everybody knows in the end, we all even out. Yes. Yes. The universe is just. That's what I learned from reading this story. It's like Hitler. All he did was evil things, and then he died at a very young... Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me... Shit, he wasn't that young. <laughs> uh, there, there's got to be something somewhere. It all evens out. He went to hell, so there you go. Problem solved. Oh, okay. <laughs> what better place than the uh, Jesus Podcast Network to announce that? <laughs> Hitler went to hell. <laughs> It's a brave stance we're taking. <laughs> well, after King David died, his son Solomon built the first temple of Jerusalem, which was said to hold the Ark of the Covenant, which itself contained the original stone tablet Ten Commandments, and was also notable for melting the face off of Nazis. Hell yeah. They also went to hell after their face melted. Straight to hell. No face. Indiana Jones, also hell. But <laughs> yes. like a higher level. Yeah, but that's just because he did what the British Museum did and steal a bunch of shit from you know, yes. native lands. Also tried to steal the Holy Grail. So God's not letting that shit slide. Wait, so are all Americans going to hell? <laughs> yes. We stole native lands. That's why you need to take it a step further and go into the Book of Mormon. And then it's okay. So it makes it okay. Just uh, boop, boop, boop. Uh, yeah. yeah, but then I can't, I can't have sodas anymore. <laughs> it's true. Such a fine line we travel. Yes, just be a fucking heathen. Just revel in it. Just accept that all Americans are going to hell, and just enjoy it while you can. Well, the temple stood until 586 BCE when the Babylonians captured Jerusalem. What did I just say? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Jerusalem. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I would be so drunk by the time it gets to uh, my part. Uh, yeah, me too. But I don't have to read anymore. Okay. <clears throat> no, I think you're already there. I'm getting. Yeah, I'm all red in the face and shit. Monsieur Jerusalem. <laughs> nice to make y'all acquaintance. <laughs> Well, the Temple of Solomon stood until 586 BCE when the Babylonians captured Jerusalem and destroyed the entire city. The Persians then conquered Jerusalem and allowed the Jews to rebuild their temple because they thought the city was a backwater hick town and didn't really care what the Jews did. The Persians ruled over the entire area until our boy Alexander the Great kicked the Persians' teeth in. 
Well, following his death, his friend and general, Ptolemy, took over, and he held it for a little while until the Seleucids took over and tried to get rid of the Jews. The Jewish people rebelled, and one of their tribes, the Maccabees, took over the city in 164 BCE. And everything went pretty great for them until 63 BCE, when two brothers had a civil war over control of the city, and one of them made the dumbass mistake of reaching out to Roman dictator Pompey, who you will know and love from our very last episode. Yeah, no, they enjoyed it until I uninstalled their program, and they got high on drugs, <laughs> killed a man in Central America, got caught for tax evasion in Spain. Yep. Good old John Maccabee. Yep. <laughs> May he rest in fucking peace. Oh, I'm still getting pop-ups from that jackass. Fuck the McAfee's. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's a different person? Okay. Yeah. Continue. No, no, I like it. It still works. Maccabee antivirus. Instead of implanting you with chips, they would implant you with, like, small little stone tablets <laughs> in their vaccines. <laughs> that's all the, co- the COVID-1 days. <laughs> COVID-1 BC. Yeah, be COVID-63, I guess. Because it was 63 BC when they they were in power. Oh, fair point. Thank you. Very dumb fair point. <laughs> you're, you're right. I stand corrected on the thing I just made up. Yes, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Make your joke historically accurate, jackass. <laughs> You don't even know how to exist in your own made-up universe, you fucking idiot. Have <laughs> <laughs> some continuity. God, there's plot holes. What are these, <laughs> the Gospels? <laughs> now, the Romans were actually pretty cool to the Jews of Jerusalem, and they didn't really care that the Jews only worshipped one god as long as there was relative peace in the region, and they kept sending money back to Rome and followed the Roman laws. To make sure this happened, the Romans enlisted the help of the wealthy aristocrats in Jerusalem and paid them handsomely for their service. This continued even after Caesar took power, and it resulted in a massive divide between the wealthy and the peasantry. And so what they did was they created this thing called Occupy Jerusalem, and they all went and camped in front of the banks and protested them, and then nothing happened, and they all went back to college, got degrees, and went to work for the banks and stuff. Yeah, they went back to their menial <laughs> fucking jobs, getting <laughs> exploited on a daily basis. So, yeah. Oh, I can't do this forever. Yeah, I got any money, man. I'm a 99 percenter. Look, guys, I had a lot of fun, but I'm not going to die for this. <laughs> yeah. Quote the true revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Went back and tore down their, their poster of Chairman Mao with a tear running down their, their cheek. <laughs> I'm sorry I failed you. <laughs> it was at that moment that Chairman Mao called up uh, that laboratory in Wuhan. <laughs> Begin the process. <laughs> Sir, we keep telling you this won't just kill the birds. This will kill a lot of people. No, 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 no. Get rid of the fucking birds. <laughs> hate birds. They're always shitting on my Lexus. God damn it. <laughs> you're, you're a communist. Why do you have a Lexus? Shut up. Don't question me. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. I own everything. <laughs> it's just everybody else owns nothing. 
I'll run a tank over you like I did that one guy that never existed. You stupid son of a bitch. (laughs) Because of this economic divide in the region of Galilee, a group of landless peasants began to rebel and started attacking the Jewish aristocrats and Roman representatives. They stole from the rich and gave to the poor and claimed to be agents of God's retribution. That's actually what happened uh, last week. I went to Victoria's Secret and mm-hmm. stole a few thongs. And mm-hmm. security fucking hero mall cop catches me. Yeah. It's like, look, dude, have a little empathy in your heart. I'm not doing that great financially. A lot of us aren't right now. Mm-hmm. Um, these are trying times. And I'm just trying to get something for my wife for Christmas. You know, financial things, as most people know, they strain a lot of marriages. And mine is no exception. And I explained all that to him in hopes that he might, you know, turn a a blind eye. And thankfully, fellow man in Christ, he did. So I was able to bring those home and uh, immediately... Put them on and start jacking off. It was awesome, dude. They were for me. They were for me. (laughs) Free thongs, baby. Well, I'd like to welcome security guard Paul to the Patreon, who felt so bad for you. He started donating $3 a month. Hopefully he's not listening to this episode. Well, you may call them Robin Hoods. But the Romans just called these guys bandits. One of the leaders of these bandits was a guy named Hezekiah, who openly claimed to be the Messiah destined to lead the Jews to glory. I think he's going to do pretty well here. I think he's going to succeed. Eventually, the Romans had enough of the bandits' nonsense. A Jewish nobleman named Antipater had backed Caesar in the Roman Civil War. In return, Caesar made Antipater a... Antipater, like a caterpillar... Aunt Peter. (laughs) I had an Aunt Peter once. She was a weird-looking lady. That beard was thick. (laughs) So was her penis. (laughs) Yeah. Short, though. But, you know. Like a hockey puck. (laughs) It's weird, man. (laughs) I didn't know what to do with it when, you know, time came to task. (laughs) Glad this isn't the Jesus episode. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, in return, Caesar made Antipater a Roman citizen and put him in charge of all of Judea. Antipater wanted to make it a family business, so he made his 15-year-old son Herod the governor of Galilee. And since we all know 15-year-olds are rational, calm, and have sound political minds that require the utmost tact, Herod launched a violent, bloody war against the bandits and had self-proclaimed Messiah, Hezekiah, beheaded. Just as he was getting his rap game off the ground, you know, Messiah Hezekiah. Just right there, man. That's mm. already that's already fire, you know? You can just start from there, throw in some good raps, and everybody wants to make you the next eight mile. I don't know anything about rap music. I'm just talking. <laughs> No. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, if I tried to rap or come up with a rap, it would sound exactly like raps from 1990s movies, early 1990s movies. They were obviously written by, like, a 55-year-old white guy. 
Oh, yeah. A, a lot of yo's and words. Those are my favorite. <laughs> I understand what they're saying. <laughs> well, a few years later, in 40 BCE, noted enemies of Rome, the Parthians, attacked Jerusalem and captured the high priest and Herod's brother. They mutilated the high priest, which under Jewish law made him unclean and unable to serve. And Herod's brother committed suicide. The Romans didn't feel like dealing with the Parthians themselves, so they made Herod their client king, gave him a few soldiers, and told him to take out the trash. And also, get rid of the Parthians. This place is a fucking pigsty. You're 15. What's that sock doing there? Why is that black sock all crusty? <laughs> Jesus. It stinks to high heavens in here. <laughs> Open get a fucking your- window. <laughs> Get off your Nintendo. You've been on your Nintendo way too much this week. Do your fucking homework. (laughs) Yes, stepdaddy, the Romans. (laughs) Well, Herod did, and Rome officially declared him king of the Jews. And little known fact, throughout his rule, Herod was known for being a brutal ruler. He massacred all the temple priests and replaced them with Yes Men, uh, the movie starring... Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. <laughs> can only say yes. Imagine that. Place them with a bunch of him. Just imagine a bunch of middle-aged Jim Carreys falling in love with a bunch of Herods that look exactly like 25-year-old Zoe Deschanel's. Yep. And that made the Jewish temple a mouthpiece for the throne. He'd go on to execute so many of his own family members that Caesar Augustus, also known as Octavian, would say, quote, I would rather be Herod's pig than his son. He has sex with the pigs. And his son. (laughs) No. No, no, no. That was frowned upon. Well, Herod ruled until his death in 4 CE. That always throws me for a loop, those single-digit year numbers, but uh, here we go. Caesar Augustus then split Judea among Herod's three sons, Archelaus, Herod Antipa, and Philip. Well, it turns out that having three kings instead of one leads to a completely mismanaged province. The Jews began to rebel all across Judea, and more and more people came forward claiming to be the Messiah. A big tall dude named Simon named himself Messiah and robbed the royal palaces in Jericho before he was captured and beheaded. A shepherd named Athronges said he was the Messiah and attacked Rome, only to be captured and executed as well. Seems to be a trend here. It's not going so well for these guys. Eventually, Augustus said, fuck it. Sent in Roman troops and put Jerusalem under the control of a Roman governor. And by the year 6 CE, he had turned all of Judea into a province that was completely under Roman control. Around the same time, in a small village in Galilee, a child was born who would later be known as the King of the Jews. But we'll get back to him in a little bit. He's not important right now. Who cares about that guy, right? (laughs) Not central to this story, I'll tell you what. Yes, it is. Plugging my ears. (laughs) Playing my drum. (laughs) Don't you speak that way on our Lord. I'm sorry. Well, if the rebellious Jews of Galilee didn't like living in a Roman puppet state, they sure as hell didn't want to be completely under the thumb of Augustus. It was then that another group of bandits showed up led by a guy named Judas the Galilean. His group created a new idea known as zeal, 
which stated they were only answerable to one God, and that Israel belonged solely to the Jews, and they could never accept foreign interference. Not even from the Russians? Nope. Israel first, baby. Mm -hmm. Maybe <laughs> Russians on the low low? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just help them get into office, then Israel first. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and definitely wouldn't take your money to build a hotel in, in Moscow. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Send me the check, please. I'm going broke. Well, those who followed this new law to the point of using violence against the Romans, anyone who wasn't circumcised, and even their fellow non-committal Jews, were known as zealots. In 6 CE, Judas the Galilean led an attack on Romans over their governor, Quirinius, wanting to perform a census of Judea and tax the people. And of course, Judas proclaimed that he was the real Messiah. And of course, like all the other messiahs, he was captured and killed. The town of Sephoris, which had provided weapons to Judas, was burned to the ground by the Romans. Oh, my wife's going to be so upset. Oh, yeah? Why would she be upset about Sephoris? Well, you know, like the makeup store, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sephoris, yeah. My wife likes to shop there, too. It's very expensive, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's worth it, because it goes quick for some reason. I don't know. You know, it's like she, she catches... She comes back from being out of town, and she's like, where'd all my makeup go? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I like wipe my, my cheek just to make sure there's, there's none left, you know? <laughs> she's like, where the fuck did all my makeup wipes go? <laughs> I don't know. Just blow through. It's like toilet paper, babe. It's like you you got the, the beginning of the roll. It's all fat and juicy, and then it, all of a sudden, it's the end of the roll, and you're pulling off the scraps, and it's just cardboard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens to makeup and makeup remover, too. Why are you deleting so many pictures from your phone right now? <laughs> Unrelated. Unrelated. <laughs> Small pockets of rebellion and even more messiahs arose over the following years, but by the time Prefect Pontius Pilate arrived in 26 CE, Roman authority was pretty well established in Jerusalem. Pilate was incredibly dismissive of the Jewish people and their laws, and during his rule, he would send thousands upon thousands of Jews to the cross. His high priest was Joseph Caiaphas, who got along with Pilate pretty great since Pilate kept putting Roman money into Caiaphas's pockets. It's a hard one to say, Caiaphas. You've done well, boy. Thank you. Doing the best I can. We're six hours into the first half of this podcast, but it'll sound great once Wolf Dick, you know, <laughs> chops it down. In 36 BCE, Pilate killed another guy claiming to be the Messiah named the Samaritan in an incredibly violent fashion. Because of this, he was replaced, but in the following years, at least three more people claimed to be the Messiah, including Judas the Galilean's sons, Jacob and Simon. And all of them were captured and executed. By crucifixion. <laughs> it's weird. They keep doing that. I thought it was just the, just that one guy. I don't know. <laughs> no. A lot of guys. A lot of guys. For the following few decades, Rome continued to install incompetent governor after incompetent governor, and the Jewish rebellion spread like wildfire. Why isn't there a Jewish rebellion here in Texas? But guess we can <laughs> 
took me a second. Like the you had to hear the computing noise going off in my head. <laughs> Please continue. Okay. One group of zealots, the Sakari or Dagger Men, gained notoriety for their stealthy assassinations, and in 56 CE, they were able to slit the throat of the high priest Jonathan while he was performing a ceremony. In May of 66, the Roman governor Florus suddenly announced that the Jews owed Rome 100,000 denarii in unpaid taxes. This led to massive riots and revolt, which led to Roman soldiers storming into Jerusalem and murdering the crap out of the Jews in their own homes. The Sicarii expelled all non-Jews from Jerusalem, killed the high priest, and then burned all of the public archives, which tracked land deeds and debts. They actually called themselves Project Mayhem in those days. No. Yeah, get it? It's the end of that movie. Did they blow up the <laughs> Apple computer store? <laughs> they did. Paint a smiley face on that building? <laughs> yeah. God, dude, it's gone too far. <laughs> and of course, the leader of the Sicarii, Menahem, declared himself to be the Messiah and king of all of Israel. Of course. Why <laughs> <laughs> not? Yeah. Seems easy to do this. It's kind of like uh, that episode of The Office where Michael steps out and declares bankruptcy by just shouting it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like like every thirty minutes in Jerusalem, some dude was just, "I am the Messiah." Like, God, it's him now. Fuck! And just Roman soldier walks over there and lops his head off or ties him to a cross. He's like, "I am the God." This shit again. Yeah. Every Friday night, these people. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is they think that this sort of punishment, this execution, was abnormal. Right. But for the Romans, it was things like sedition, rebellion, which, again, when you look at the definition of Messiah in these times, before it was morphed post-Jesus, it just meant somebody that was declaring themselves king of the Jews— yeah. Which, that's rebellion. Right. That's sedition. And the punishment for that is being hung on the cross and killed. Yeah. So this happened a, a lot more than what people realize. And we just talked about two episodes. I mean, when Spartacus and the slaves revolted in Italy, uh, they crucified every single one of them, lined the Appian Way all the way into Rome with crosses of slaves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, this is pretty common. Now, after Menahem took power, kicked everybody out of Jerusalem, the Romans, they were naturally like, oh, you know what, that's cool. You know what, we have been dicks to you guys, and uh, you just go ahead and keep all of Judea for yourselves. It's fine. <laughs> you know, we don't even care. You, you are bad. It, actually, I'm, that was a lie. I like to lie to you guys. It makes me feel powerful. Like you're, <laughs> you're on bated breath. It's the only control I have over my life. Mm, I'm on bated breath. <laughs> Masturbated breath. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. Continue. It's okay. I'm on beta breath. I can only breathe <laughs> when the alpha tells me I can. Just the fumes of cuck in the air. <laughs> yeah. No, the Romans immediately launched a war against the Jews. Over the following six years, they massacred the Jewish zealots. In 70 CE, they laid siege to Jerusalem, 
Eventually, they took the city, destroyed the second temple of the Lord, and burned the city to the ground. Three years later, in Masada, the Romans massacred the last thousand men, women, and children who were believed to be aligned with the rebels. During the fighting, the rebels had split into three factions. Manahem, the latest messiah, was murdered. Another messiah, Simon, son of Giora, was captured by the Romans and paraded through the streets of Rome during a triumph, and then he was executed. But this time, they did the triumph thing, where they just, you know, ceremoniously strangled him to death in front of a crowd. So, pretty cool. Preferable. (laughs) Yeah. Look into my eyes while you do it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. It was worth it. I'm coming. (laughs) My robes. Now, it seems like there had been a whole lot of messiahs who said they would lead the Jewish people to glory, and all of them had failed. But it was around this time, 70 CE, in the city of Rome, that a Jew named John Mark began writing about who he believed was the one true Messiah, and it was a guy who had been dead for almost 40 years. Who was that guy? We don't know. Greg's going to tell you. Say, get him. Like, we haven't talked about Jesus at all. You roped a man. God, <laughs> I roped a man. Professional podcasting. I'm so impressed. Yeah, thank you. I've been doing this for a while. Not to toot my own horn. Kind of, no uh, big deal. Yeah, I'm basically Joe Rogan without the uh, anti-vax sentiment. So. <laughs> well, uh, what do you say we take a break, have a few drinks, come back and uh, upset a bunch of people? Mm, yep. I better not be upset. Yeah, I was, and also talk about this story. <laughs> I just meant upset them with tales from our lives. Or trouble, oh, trouble yes. lives. Okay, cool, yes. cool, cool, cool. Agreed. Cool. Yeah, please don't play Little Drummer Boy again. Please don't, please don't. Who lay before the king? Okay, we are back from break. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a good time. I'm sure Wolf Dick played some festive music for you. We, I don't really know. Uh, during breaks, to be honest, we leave him to his own devices. Just uh, wander away from him so he can do his own thing while we actually enjoy human company for just a few minutes. So um, hopefully he, he made you guys feel special, you know, wanted and... Jolly and all that because he definitely fucking doesn't, and we make it a point to make sure that never happens. Yeah, no way, Jose. Should I say, no way, Jesus? <gasps> oh my gosh, he tied it back in with the mm-hmm. Christmas. Somehow he tied Christmas into Jesus. I don't understand how he did it, but he made it work. Feliz Navidad, bitches. <laughs> well, we're about to tell the second half of this story. Uh, probably if you wanted to hear about the historical Jesus, the second half of the story is going to be the most important half. And to do that, I think we're going to have to pop the tops of something that we like to call the second half. Condoms. Oh. 
Second out Salsa. Second out Salsa. All right. Three, two, one. Happy Hanukkah. It's because that's what Jesus would have celebrated. Because he was Jewish. Well, guys, it was somewhere between the year 4 and 6 BCE when Jesus was born. And yes, Jesus was born in 4 before Christ. In the tiny hillside village of Nazareth. Hole up, you may say. It's Christmas time, and I've heard the same six songs over and over since Thanksgiving, and I know for a fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Well, about that. Matthew and Luke both claim that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but the rest of the time and throughout several other books of the New Testament, he is known as Jesus the Nazarene, or simply the Nazarene. And this is one of those things that's like, well, what do you mean the Nazarene? It's because he was the only notable person from that town, so, you know, they didn't have to specify. Yeah, Jesus was actually a pretty common name around that time. There were a lot of Jesuses, you know? Mm-hmm. Already talked about other Judases and other Simons and all that stuff, you know? They they had to specify. They didn't have surnames. They were like, hey, where's this guy from? And that's why I'm known as Chris, your mama's house. Boom. Mic drop and such. Mike's still there. Yeah, I know. It's on a boom thing, like an arm. I can't Oh, really boom, sure. Mike, but no drop. Yeah. Get it? Because it's on a boom. And it's yeah, not- we're not doing great here. We're struggling. It's okay. <sighs> <laughs> there have been alcohol. There have been <laughs> In the book of John, written about 40 years after the first gospel, Jesus pretty much says, Look, I'm from Nazareth. You all know I'm from Nazareth. Let's just move on, okay? Bethlehem is an important addition, because by the time Jesus was born, the Jews had already decided that the Messiah had to be a descendant of King David, and he had to be born in Bethlehem, just as David had been. To get around this, Luke said that the census ordered by Roman governor Quirinius ordered all men to return to the city where they were born to be counted, and since Joseph was born in Bethlehem, He booked it back there, and Jesus was born in the manger, because the inn was full. Makes sense. Adds up. Business trip, baby. Sometimes you gotta drag the wife along. She's all pregnant and bitching about everything. She's all ankle swollen, pregnant. It's like, I'm sorry, baby, I gotta do this. Business is a business. I don't keep you in that, that fancy Sephora's makeup, you know, by not going to work every day. Even though you use half of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's shared property. Come on, man. It's a marriage. Jeez. Well, why are the tampons being used at double the rate a normal person, Chris? <laughs> well, I mean, how else do you take in your vodka every day? You're not shoving them up your butt? I like to feel like <laughs> a natural woman. <laughs> now, historically speaking... That's complete nonsense. Chris told you there was a Roman census during that time, and it sparked a rebellion. But the whole purpose of the census was to tax the existing property of the Judean citizens. So it makes no sense that Joseph would book it all the way back to Bethlehem so the Romans could tally up and tax his belongings, which would have been in Nazareth. 
It's for the similar reasons that Matthew claims Herod Antipas ordered a massacre of all of the infant sons born in and around Bethlehem, which forced Jesus, Mary, and Joseph to flee to Egypt. All of this to fulfill the Jewish prophecy that the Messiah would travel from Egypt to Israel to take his place as the new Messiah. But no historical record, be it Roman or Jewish, documented any such massacre by Herod. The fact is, even though the Gospels were written decades after Jesus' death, the writers of Matthew and Luke would have known what they were writing wasn't historically accurate. And it didn't matter. Like we said earlier, historical record in those times were written to build up the stories of individuals and make them worthy of worship. The Romans did the same thing by saying someone like Julius Caesar was the descendant of the goddess Venus, but no one cares because the facts of the story were less important than the meaning it conveyed. There's also the question of the virgin birth. Naturally, this takes a lot of faith to believe in, and depends on which one of the Gospels you accept. Matthew and Luke mention it, but John, who believed Jesus was not of earthly origins, and Paul, who wrote of Jesus as God incarnate, both left it out of their birth stories. And in the 2nd century, a Roman claims that while Jesus was alive and there were rumors that his mother Mary had been impregnated by a Roman soldier named Pantera. Yes. yes! Which, of course, could just have been slander against the relatively young Christian religion. All of this is to say that we don't know very much about Jesus' early life. Yeah, there's actually some Gospels or some books of the Bible that get eliminated later by the Romans. They tell some wacky-ass stories about Jesus' early life. Like, I think it's the book of Thomas, maybe Andrew, I can't remember who wrote the book, but it talks about Chad. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the book of uh, Dylan Klebold, because it talks about, like, Jesus, <laughs> like, messing with another kid and, like, pushes him off a roof and, like, kills the kid, and he feels bad and he, like, brings the kid back to life because he has Jesus powers at that point in time. And so it's like, like, we have to, we have to get rid of all that. Jesus couldn't have been a dick as a teenager. We're all dicks as teenager, but Jesus wasn't a dick as a teenager. Come on, man. <laughs> when, <laughs> He's godly. Yeah. He didn't Ba-ra-pa-pum-pum. like. Ba-ra-pa-pum-pum. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to my drum. <laughs> Again, this is what I do when I don't want to accept what you're saying. <laughs> well, if Jesus was from Nazareth and did take up the trade of carpentry, as the Gospels would indicate, he wouldn't have spent much time in Nazareth where all the homes were straw and mud. And there was like, you know, under a hundred families. Yeah, and there's this wolf always trying to knock down their house. Like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, and most of them were uh, were pigs. Forgot to mention that. <laughs> yes. As an aside, most of them were pigs. Yes. Obviously historically accurate. Continue. Well, historically... It would have made a ton of sense if he spent his formative years in nearby Sephoris, trying on the different eyeshadows <laughs> and learning the different techniques. Are you going to buy anything, Jesus? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm from Nazareth. <laughs> you were very poor in Nazareth. Well, Sephoris had been raised by the Romans in 6 CE. So, you know, Jesus yeah. is a good 10 years old. Trying on his makeups like young Sheldon, exploring <laughs> his sexuality, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you just bum bum bum. Playing my drum. 
He's got a construction belt on and a full face of makeup. He doesn't know where he's going. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm here for the wood. <laughs> you because know, I'm a carpenter. Yes. <laughs> you know, when this one was titled Chris and Greg Ruin Christmas, I thought that was ironic because we were going to be very respectful. And, uh, well, let's just say we've hunter proof history to this story. We've, we've done what we could. What do you people expect from us? That's all I'm asking. Yeah, exactly. It's been a hundred episodes. You you should know by now. Well, over the following decades, Sephoris was rebuilt in the Roman style, and there would have been a huge need for day laborers. Enter Jesus. <laughs> yeah, just hanging outside the Home Depot. His pointy boots. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just sorry. Uh, again, Chris, it's Jesus. It's true. Bum, 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 me and my drum. <laughs> In 26 BCE, a man named John the Baptist came out of the desert and began to preach the message that the end was near, the kingdom of God was at hand, and it was time for the Jews to get back to following the laws of David. He began to preach that people should give up their wealth and help their fellow man and he began to baptize people by dipping them in the River Jordan. People all over Judea began leaving their homes and traveled to be baptized by John. Among them was one Jesus of Nazareth. According to the Gospels, this was so Jesus could be cleansed of his sins. According to the Roman historian Josephus, it was so that Jesus could be baptized into John's new Jewish sect. Josephus's account that Jesus was, at first, one of John's disciples, would make more logical sense. Shortly after the baptism of Jesus, Herod Antipas had John arrested and executed. It wasn't until after that arrest that Jesus obtained his first disciples, Andrew and Philip, who had been following John. And it was after the arrest of John that Jesus left Judea and returned to Nazareth. Yeah, and this is one of the things, it's one of the big talking point in our main source, is trying to decide... If Jesus was a disciple of John, but the Gospels, as they progress, as they move further in time, you get closer to like John was written like 70 years after the death of Jesus. Uh, he starts talking about stuff like basically Jesus was better than John and John recognized it as soon as Jesus showed up. He's like, oh, hey, it's the Messiah. It's, the, it's that guy. Uh, it'll be an honor to baptize you, my bro, instead of... You know, which would make more historical sense where he just shows up and he's like, hey, what you're saying makes sense. I want to be involved in that. Can you baptize me into your, your group? Yeah. Upon his return, Jesus' neighbors all thought he was kind of a nut job and tried to silence him. Not much is known about Jesus' family, but both the Bible and the Romans claim he had a brother named James who then became one of his disciples. Jesus then moved to Capernaum, which sat on the coast of Galilee, and began to preach to the disenfranchised poor. In Capernaum, he continued to preach and gain more and more disciples, until the total was 72, with 12 of them comprising the inner core. And they were all virgins. Mm. I mean, they were all dudes, but, you know, all virgin dudes, so... Double win, right? Well, the 12 was all dudes. Oh yeah, there were some women's. 
in yeah, the there was, 72. There was women in the 72. Yeah, just mucking it up. Like, okay, honey. Okay. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You going to okay. wear that to the uh, disciple meeting? Yeah. Seriously? Just ask him for it. <laughs> I mean, this is olden it times. Is? Yes, of course. Yes. This is when, you know, sexism was alive and real more yes. more so than it is. It is alive and real today. No, it doesn't exist today. God Not on damn this podcast. it. Not on this podcast. <laughs> it was worse then. It was worse yes. then. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Historically, yes. 100%. Well, his message was similar to John's. Treat people well and give up your wealth. But he was also a Davidic Jew, which meant he mainly wanted the Jews to treat each other well, and he wanted them to rebel against the high priest and the temple, which had been overrun with corruption and greed. Again, like, the high priest and temple were really in bed with the Roman occupiers. Yeah. Like, the Roman occupiers' barracks were attached, literally, yeah. to the temple. <laughs> so They're Just feeding them money. To make sure that yeah. people follow the Roman laws. This was a huge abomination to these people. Like during their their big ceremonies they would have mm -hmm. with all their ancient artifacts. Like the Romans would give them the artifacts, whoever the high priest was. And then when the ceremony was over, take them back. Yeah. Basically hold them for ransom. Like we we are gonna we're gonna decide who the high priest is. Yeah, and in addition to that, they also demanded that every day the high priest would sacrifice two animals to the emperor, which was a big no-no for the Jewish people. Like, the emperor's not God. Why are we sacrificing anything to this random dude in Rome? So so it's pretty easy to see why these people would feel like it's the end of times. They're super, super religious and... All of these awful, awful things are going on in their church. Mm -hmm. And again, Jesus is preaching to fellow Jews. Jews. Yes. <laughs> he's not really preaching Christianity other than, you know, saying that he's the son of God eventually. But yeah, we'll get to that. Well, that's the exact same thing the next point says. <laughs> like I said, we'll get to it. Yeah, right now. <laughs> So again, Jesus was a Jew preaching to Jews. All that mattered to him was the restoration of Israel. He told his disciples not to preach to the Gentiles and to take care of the Jewish people before anything else. And the idea here is that the Gentiles would be saved at the end of times. But right now, let's just focus on our fellow Jew. Right, yeah. Uh, he, he talks about, the, there's some parable where he's talking about like if you have uh, one dog you feed your dog before you feed a stray or something like that but another thing jesus wasn't a christian that wasn't a thing that existed when jesus was alive and the gospels call him jesus christ say he went by jesus christ as his name that's what people called him christ is a greek word meaning messiah and it was a you know assigned to him well after his death pa -rum -pa -pum -pum. <laughs> Playing my drum, putting my fingers in my ears while I'm playing my drum with my feet and my penis, and getting rested because I just did this at a taco cabana. Pum 
The guy named Jesus who makes the flautas was very confused while you were trying to wash his feet. <laughs> what is this shit? I'm like, no, 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 different guy, different guy. It was during one of his sermons in Capernaum that Jesus performed an exorcism. He then began healing the sick, and word began to spread throughout Galilee about this new guy preaching Jewish strength and performing miracles. I wonder if the first one he performed, the girl told him that his mother sucks cocks in hell. You know, like the movie, Exorcism. Yeah, I know. I'm just... Yeah, yeah! Historically speaking, it doesn't matter if you believe the miracles happened or not. What matters is the people of Galilee believed it. And more importantly to them, Jesus performed miracles for free. This was a big problem for the sick and the poor in 30 CE Jerusalem. The temple cost money, and if you were deemed unclean, you couldn't enter the innermost sanctums and receive blessings from God. Jesus blessed everyone and refused their money. Plus, he was a common, illiterate, and poorly educated man, which made him a billion times more relatable to the poor. Just like our modern-day preachers like Joe Olstein, you know? It's like, when things are really going bad, he like opens the doors to the poor and the needy and takes them in. You know, like, say, like, a hurricane's hitting the city. He didn't, like, like shut the, the doors to his cathedral and prevent people from taking shelter there or anything like that. You know, he, that he does the... not a cathedral. That is a Jesus plex. <laughs> oh, Thank you. <laughs> yes, he's awful. Got a great smile, though. Winning smile. Winning yes. smile. Yeah. The temple wasn't a big fan of what Jesus was saying. Not only did he do their job for free, but he directly called them out on it by saying the poor, the hungry, and the mournful were about to be in power in the new kingdom of God and the current system, including Roman rule, was about to be abolished. And it wasn't going to be super peaceful like you think, with Jesus saying in Matthew, quote, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace, but the sword. Metal moment, yeah! Jesus with the sword! Mm. It was with this attitude that Jesus gathered his twelve disciples and headed for Jerusalem to take on the temple directly. Along the way happened is what is known as the Transfiguration, in which God himself relayed to Jesus that he was the Messiah, which up to that point he had been denying. Still, Jesus sees himself as King David reborn, as the Jewish prophecy had called for. He doesn't mention heaven or even the entire earth. He, just like the other messiahs, is now saying he is destined to unite the Jewish people, take control of Israel, and rule as king of God's right hand on earth. At no point does he call himself the son of God, but rather the son of man. Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on a donkey, followed by his disciples and people singing, quote, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the coming kingdom of our father David. End quote. Jesus then went straight to the temple of the Lord and started wrecking shit. <laughs> he flipped the tables. He chased the money changers out with a whip. He set all the sacrificial animals free. And then he and his disciple buddies calmly walked out having committed sedition against Rome, because to question the temple's authority was to question Roman rule. And they weren't having that shit. Like, can you imagine you're like sitting in McDonald's and some dude just comes in like, 
starts flipping tables and like smashing everything. And then you're like, what is happening? Like, I'm my cell phone. I'm going to record it. But then he walks out calmly. Like, I guess that, like, you have no idea how to react to what is happening in front of you. And that's what these people saw in the temple. They're like, what the fuck? This dude just came in here and just wrecked everything. Like, oh, oh, cool. Cool. You know, I guess we'll just, uh, let him go. Cause, like, I don't want to stop that dude. I don't want to harass that dude. You asked if I could imagine somebody going into a McDonald's and doing that. And yes, it's the obvious answer. <laughs> of course. It's like a thousand videos. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the crazy juxtaposition of Jesus that you get in the Gospels where he's like, hey, I'm a super nice guy. I'm going to come up there and fuck up that temple. Fuck that temple. Fuck these animals. Fuck your tables. Look at this shit. Whoop. Flipped. Like, ah, we'll never recover. How can we ever fix this damage? These flip fucking tables. My money's all over on the floor. Oh, this guy. This guy. It's going to be a fucking problem. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah, it is. Jesus booked it to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he told his followers to prepare for a fight against the Roman authorities. Unfortunately for him, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, told the Romans where Jesus was hiding, and he was easily arrested. He was taken before the high priest, Joseph Caiaphas, who asked Jesus, Are you the Messiah? To which Jesus said yes. He was then condemned to death by crucifixion. The Gospels say that following his meeting with Caiaphas, Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate, who realized that Jesus was the true Messiah and begged for his release. But the Jews of Jerusalem demanded that Jesus be killed. Now, there's no historical record of this meeting, and the whole thing seems very unlikely to have happened. But Pontius Pilate was an anti-Semite, and crucified so many people that an official complaint was lodged with the emperor in Rome. Either way, Jesus was crucified. Above his name was a plaque that read, King of the Jews. People tend to think of this as a sarcastic title given to him by his executioner, but the common practice was to put the charge above the convicted. Jesus was accused of calling himself King of the Jews, which meant he was King of Israel, which meant he didn't recognize the authority of the Roman government. Pretty much everyone that was crucified was accused of some form of sedition. The Gospels say the men next to him were labeled as thieves, but in the original text they were labeled as bandits, which is what Rome called the men who followed messiahs and robbed from the aristocracy. Yes, Greg, and little-known fact, crucifixion was reserved for seditionists because the entire thing was for show. Most of the men who were crucified were already dead when they were put up on the cross and they were left there to rot, with only a few, presumably like Jesus, left to suffer until they died from shock. The crosses were strategically put up around the city entrances so pilgrims could see what happened to those who opposed Rome. And just like we talked about earlier, like when they put it up along the Appian Way into Rome, it, the whole thing is to show people, you don't fuck with us. Because this is what happens. Yes, and Jesus' disciples, particularly his brother James, then began to spread word that Jesus was placed in a tomb, and three days later he had risen. It was after his death that Jews in Rome began to write about him in Greek, and spread word of his life, death, and resurrection to the Gentiles. One of the men, Saul, changed his name to Paul, and wrote how Jesus had become God sent to earth. Yeah. 
big change for him. Saul DePaul. Took, took a lot of creativity to figure that one out. Guys, thinking about making a big change in my life. I'm going to go several letters uh, backwards in the <laughs> alphabet. What do y'all think? Welcome to 100 Proof History, hosted by Chris and Schmeg. Hey, Schmeg, how you doing? Well, uh, Saul, Paul, that is a big change, but uh, are you still going to be the way you are? What do you mean, fellas? <laughs> well, you know, like, are you happy with Peggy? Yeah. Yeah, I love Peggy. What do you mean? <laughs> Nothing, uh, Paul. (laughs) Nothing. Well, as things began to fall apart for the Jews in Jerusalem, the gospel writers in Rome turned Jesus from a Jewish zealot revolutionary into an apolitical healer who had been sent to save the world from its own sins. This was done to distance this new movement from the Jewish uprising. And to add a cherry on top, they went ahead and blamed the Jews for the crucifixion of Jesus and spared the reputation of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Just, and they didn't realize at the time, but just set the stage for 2,000 years of anti-Semitism. Just, here we go. You guys killed our Lord and Savior. Fucking jerks. It's time to fist fight. But he was a Jew. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, well. Yeah, matter. well <laughs> you fucking killed him. Jews betrayed him. How about that? How about that? Tell you what, all those guys are just Jews in name only. They're ginos. <laughs> I used to get called a gino on the playground. I didn't know that's what it meant. <laughs> anyway, I think it was gino. I don't know. It, it was close. <laughs> it was very close. Well, over the following centuries, Christianity spread and grew larger and larger until the Roman Emperor Constantine made it the official religion of Rome. You know, this took a it took several hundred years, but... Yeah, it was about 400-something. They saw the lot. Yeah. A convention was held to decide what books were to be in the Bible, and from there, Christianity grew into the most dominant religion in the world. Whether you believe in the miracles of Jesus Christ or just believe that Jesus of Nazareth was a political activist, you can't deny that his existence changed the face of humanity forever which is way more than any of you can say about what you're doing with your lives. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> End of story. Woo! We did it. We probably only offended like 37% of the voter base by telling that story. But I think we did well. I think we uh, relayed... The historical story of Jesus pretty, pretty well. But there are a few things we still have to talk about. Just a couple tiny, insignificant, or are they, things that I like to call the fast facts. Fast fact number one. One of the hardest things about the Gospels to reconcile is the way they portray the attitude of Jesus himself. He would preach racial exclusion by saying, quote, I was sent solely to the lost sheep of Israel, end quote, and then say something like, quote, go and make disciples of all nations, end quote. He would invoke peace by saying, 
quote, blessed are the peacemakers, end quote, and then call for war by saying, quote, if you do not have a sword, go and sell your cloak and buy one, end quote. And that's just one of the issues with having multiple authors try and fill in the blanks decades later. I don't want to hear this, so I'm playing my... <laughs> fast fact number two. But back to fast fact number one. Could you imagine if all you had was a cloak and you had to sell it to get a sword? <laughs> naked with a sword. <laughs> Just a naked man with a sword. All right, back to fast naked. fact number two. Naked with a circumcised penis. That was a very important part of the whole thing. <laughs> you had all extra... Right. Su- Extra baloney wrapper around that thing, not allowed. No, get out of here. Go buy your cloak back, idiot. (laughs) Back to fast fact number two. (laughs) Even the Romans didn't deny the healings and exorcisms of Jesus happened. Instead, they referred to it as magic, which was strictly forbidden by Roman law and seen as a defiance of the Roman gods. Fast fact number three. During his sermons, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan who stopped to help an injured traveler after two priests ignored him. Now, this has been interpreted as a tale of how you should stop and help those in need, but to Jesus and the Jews, the Samaritans were considered lesser humans. It's more of a story to show how low the priest of his time had distanced themselves from the common man. Fast fact number four. Better Call Saul slash Paul was actually told to knock it off by Jesus' brother, James, and Paul apologized. Shortly after that, he was arrested by the Romans in a case of mistaken identity. Like, uh, take him away, boys, that's Saul. No, I'm Paul. (laughs) We heard what you did with wings after you broke up with the Beatles, you asshole. That was terrible. (laughs) Because of this... He was returned to Rome, where he was free to teach to the Gentile population without interference from James. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Hunter Proof History. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you have a nice holiday season. We will be back in January with our next episode. In the meantime, you can find us at HunterProofHistory.com. There you will find a little bit of information on us links to social media, and most importantly, a link to our Patreon, where for just $3 a month, you can get access to early episodes, a whole bunch of episodes that don't exist for the regular people. You know, just just feel good about supporting us in our time of need. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Be considerate. It's a giving season, after all. I know, right? Now give to me. Give to me that $3 Patreon subscription. Please, we need it so bad. Also, you can find us at 100 History on social media. There you'll find funny memes, a little bit of information about the stories we're talking about, stuff like that. You know, just good times. We'll interact with you. You know, we got nothing better to do. Just, just tell us what's on your mind. You know, what what are you thinking about? How are you feeling this holiday season? Just Just let us know. But that is it. I am your sexiest of hosts, Christopher. For Wolf Dick, our esteemed producer, we thank you for listening. Gregory, main host of this podcast, the the straw 
that stirs the hunterproof history drink. I ask you, what else? Honestly, Chris, I've just, uh, ooh, I've been drinking a lot of whiskey mm-hmm. during this show. Right now I'm feeling like some, uh, I don't know, maybe going Caribbean with it. <laughs> Switching up to Sapa Rampa Pum Pum. Drinking my rum. <laughs> Goodbye. I love you. Goodbye. Beloved? Beloved? You can say beloved. He was beloved. Makes you sound fat. I'm very learned, Greg. Beloved. (laughs) Judea. She said Judea. The robot said Judea. Say it. Suck my dick, robot. I can say what I want. It's America. God damn it. Yeah, and I can edit what I want. It's fucking America. Ah, shit. He's got me there. Flawless fucking logic. God damn it. Turn it around on me. I got a bunch of candy in my mouth. <laughs> Your dinner of peanut butter pieces. What'd you eat for dinner? Uh, you know, it's kind of nutritious. Bunch of peanut butter. Yeah. Protein, man. Co- covered in <laughs> candy chocolate shell. <sighs> I kept falling it up the stairs until I got trapped in this box. And this tiny kid and Drew Barrymore dressed me up in drags so and no one know that I was an alien. <laughs> Look at this alien dick. They didn't care. <laughs> like the tip glows. E.T. <laughs> bone home. <laughs> Look how many knuckles my dick got. <laughs>